Listen, man, I was one of those uh, guys that I grew up in a very strict West Indian home, right? And uh, any others that grew up in a strict sort of an environment? <laughs> some, some of y'all are still living at home and I see your hands up. You know, I don't know. Just keep your eyes ahead. Keep your eyes ahead. You might get licks for that, but no. But anyways, I grew up in one of those homes, you know, and it was just, it was, it was, I say that it's incredible because a lot of kids today are growing up in a context without structure and are just kind of, and without accountability and they're calling their mom Susie and, and calling them by their first names and stuff. And if you do that, that's great. If you guys can do that, fantastic. But I wasn't allowed to do that stuff when I was growing up. And uh, there's just a lot of, there's a loss of respect and stuff, you know, uh, in a lot of our homes today. But for me, I grew up in an environment like that. And as a result of me having those growing up, coming up in that environment, you know, when I got some freedom, somebody already knows where I'm going. When I got out the house, come on, I just went, yes, yeah, somebody, I, we, <laughs> I went to Michigan, and so I've been living on my, I was living on my own from I was 17 years old. And so I moved to Michigan, and I was there by myself, and listen, I got me a little money. And after I got some money, I mean, I went bonkers. I forgot everything my parents taught me. I was like, I'm just going to while out and just do whatever I can possibly do because I'm away from home. Come on, somebody. I mean, I probably had, within a year, I probably owned like three cars. It's crazy, I know. I was skipping out on school. I would skip out on school just to work on my cars. I, it was just so insane, the, the, the things that I was doing, the reckless way in which I was living, the reckless way in which I was using the money that my talent at the time was, was earning me. Uh, and the fact of the matter is this. One day, I'll never forget, I was driving down the the road on campus and while i'm there driving down the road on campus uh we, the university that we were attending you know i'll never forget i'm going in i don't know if you know this song but i remember i was going down the road and i was listening to i don't want to live no more i keep hearing death knocking at my front door don't bob your head no do you who sings that who sings that it was biggie it was biggie and I remember I was just riding down. And I'm like, why, why would I want to drive? Why do people want to listen to, you know, like, and I'm, so I'm literally going down there and I'm not receiving it as his testimony or something. Like I'm actually singing this and not realizing I'm like coming in agreement with this thing. And so I'm there. I don't want to live no more. And then my, my subs are just banging in the back of my car, my, uh, my car. And I'm just rolling down, just going nuts through the campus. And I'll never forget out of nowhere. I'll never forget. It was light rain. It wasn't, yo, it wasn't on a poor, a poor flex. Like it was, it was just some light rain. And what ends up happening is suddenly my car just goes, just starts swerving. I'm not driving fast. The car just starts swerving. My wife's looking at me like, yeah, right. But the car starts swerving. And I'll never forget coming around that corner. And I slammed into this electric pole so hard that it knocked out the electricity for half of the campus. I, it was a miracle, and then I got out, right? Come on, somebody. I got out of that, and it's a miracle that I even was able to be alive after slamming into that thing. You would have thought that I was driving at like 60, 70 miles an hour, the way that I hit that, the way that I went to swerving. And I realized it was that moment. Everybody say that moment. 
It was that moment that I recognized that there was something greater that was attempting to end my life prematurely. And the reckless way in which I was living, come on, stay with me for a second. The reckless way in which I was living, it was only going to lead to my destruction. It was going to come in agreement with that Biggie song because I was living indeed like I didn't want to live no more. And I was forgetting and despising the things that my parents had instilled in me. You know, but I, I'm just a witness. I'm a witness to let you know the Bible says, train up a child in the way he shall go. That when he gets old, he will not depart from it. I still hear my mother saying it. And I'm a witness that it's the truth. Come on, somebody. Because those things that were instilled in me as a child, I never thought. I remember telling my sister, you hear me say this often, I will never be a pastor. And I'm standing up in front of you. Countless people have given their lives to the Lord, not just here, but even around the world. By the grace of God, for the glory of God, when I used to be living crazy. Because the word of God and the call of God and the love of God is greater than my mess. Oh man, it's a little early to start shouting, but I feel it creeping up on me. I wonder if there's anybody in here that's excited about the fact and you know that your life should have been over by now. Come on, somebody. But because of the grace and the mercy, those twins right there, Jesus has kept you. Oh man, testimonies of some of y'all are just popping up in my head and I just, I just, I'm just, I'm just happy dance just for that right there. And so the fact of the matter is, realize and understand that as we're talking about this imperfect series, and I've been encouraging you to understand that this is our reality. This is the reality of all humans. We are all imperfect. Even if you came out of the womb speaking in tongues and you were born uh, by water birth in a baptismal pool. Come on. You still, you still are imperfect and you still are in need of Jesus. Come on. And then even because we usually stop there and then people get saved and then they get saved and then we're just like, okay, so now you're saved. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You're going to heaven. And then we just act like there's nothing needed after that. But how many of you know that the same grace and the same gospel that saved me, I'm in need of that same grace each and every single day. So the reality of my imperfection is not for me to to to, uh, to, pro- to be a proponent or to endorse a sinful lifestyle or to endorse things that God opposes, but it's to put us in the place of the of understanding the reality of our need for God. Because when I realize and accept my imperfection in certain areas, then I can re- I can put it at the foot of the cross or put it at God's feet, and He continues to develop and work Himself from the inside of me to the outside outside i hear second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 say but we with open face in other words with unveiled face or without anything blocking our face because of the gospel and and jesus taking it away he says as we behold as in a glass the glory or the the a, a view of the lord we do so in prayer and in worship and in study and as we as we see god without anything blocking our vision he says that we are changed come on somebody into the same image from season to season or from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the lord 
So the spirit of God, as we understand this, as we understand our imperfection and we understand the tendencies that we have, it positions us better to be able to put ourselves in Christ and open our heart to him and open our eyes to him. And consequently, he begins by his spirit to change us from the inside out. This is good stuff. If you grab onto it, you know, and a lot of Christians, they'll say stuff like, I already know that. Well, why isn't your life reflecting it? We got to be challenged and continuously be challenged in this area. So we find a great story here. I'm going to jump in. And this story is an incredible story. It's about, uh, it's, it's been coined as the story about the prodigal son. And I want to give you this because, yes, the, the, the son was a prodigal. Uh, however, there are some things that I want to show you in this as well. And so this, this individual, it starts by saying, are we at verse 11 of Luke 15? If you're there, say, I got it. Okay, okay. And don't, don't get quiet on me. Don't get quiet. The louder you talk back, the, the quicker I'll get to my clothes. Hallelujah, somebody. <laughs> so Luke chapter 15 verse 11 says and he said so this is Jesus talking to people who thought that he should not be interested in people who were imperfect he says he said to them there was a man who had two sons everybody say two sons and the younger of them said to his father father give me the share of property that is coming to me in other words give me my inheritance give me what you wrote in your will for me right and then he goes on and he says and he divided his property between them now the fact of the matter is this just for some uh, context to the story understand especially in a historical context this is an insult to the father he's insulting the father and basically saying to him i wish you were dead because the inheritance is not supposed to come to him until after his father leaves the, the earth right but he's in a position where he's insulting the father and he wants this thing prematurely. And, and the Bible makes it clear that he goes on and the Bible says in verse 13, not many days later, it says the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered, everybody say squandered, squandered his property in reckless living. There it is. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out uh, to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. Now, so what happens here is that this inheritance is there. He asked the father for the inheritance instead of waiting until the father had passed away, insulting him. And then he takes what he got. And he goes away from home and like me, he did a waste you thing. He went and he spent and used recklessly what it was, the inheritance that he had. Now, the fact of the matter is this, what it was that he got from the father. It's not that it was bad or that he wasn't supposed to get it. Somebody track with me for a second. The fact is, however, that he was supposed to wait until after his father died. And so in actuality, he got this thing prematurely, prematurely. Everybody say prematurely. So he got this thing prematurely, this inheritance prematurely. He got it before he was supposed to get it. And the fact is he goes and he uses it recklessly. Now, the fact of the matter is this. Can I give you point number one? Here it is. Because let me, let me give some uh, background because the fact of the matter is there are things in our lives 
that it's not that you shouldn't have them. But a part of our imperfection is that oftentimes what we do is there are things that we would like to have, but we often will get them prematurely. And can I tell you, and and, and we end up using it recklessly because we're not prepared to be able to handle it. Can I talk to somebody this morning? And so he ends up going because he got this thing prematurely. He goes and uses it recklessly. Point number one, here it is. Recklessness is often preceded by prematurity. Recklessness is often preceded by prematurity. So there are many of us who, as I'm saying, we're, we are asking God for things and we are in a reckless place. And it wasn't that I couldn't have a car. It wasn't that I shouldn't have gotten money. But the way that I was dealing with stuff, I wasn't mature enough to be able to handle it. And consequently, I ended up going and breaking and wrecking the stuff that I had. And this is the case in many of our lives. If you're asking yourself, am I living in a healthy place? Am I living, or if I'm living in a reckless place, look at the things in your life. How are the relationships in your life? How is that relationship? Is it that God doesn't want you to be married or is it that you're doing something before he told you to do it? And as a result, because of the prematurity, there are things that are being, the, the, the relationship is out of order. How are the finances in your life? How is it that, you know, is it that you, instead of waiting till you got in a better financial place to be able to offend, afford the car that you, that you have right now and that you wanted so bad, but you did, you just had to have it right now that you decided, you know, I remember I got, I went and I got a, I'll never forget. I went and I got a, um, a Cadillac. I went and I got a blue Cadillac. If you ask my wife about that baby blue Cadillac. And I used to wear a brown fur coat. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to tell you what we were trying to be back in the days. Well, thank Jesus for deliverance on this morning. And I used, I put, I put some baby blue lighting inside the, the cab. It was had wood grain on the dash. Y'all aren't ready for that. And so we used to roll. We used to roll real slow, brother. Real slow. We weren't speeding on that boy. We were, we just, we just, we, we could put it slow and put it in cruise and just, just cruise down. The, and the thing was, I wanted it so bad. I wanted this car so bad. And I, you know, th- there are two things I did though, that made me realize that it was not God. First of all, I co-signed for it. Can I talk about co-signing? You need to, well, I, I, I don't have time for that, but uh, this ain't a financial seminar. But you need to go look up Dave Ramsey. Come on, somebody. But anyways, so I co-signed for it. In other words, I was not in a financial place myself to be able to handle it. And then number two, number two, everybody say number two. That car, I think it was like a 29% interest rate. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can I just keep it real this morning? And I wanted that car so bad. And I wanted it, and so I not only co-signed, but I also went and I got this rate. And I mean, I was paying and paying and paying, and it seemed like it was never paying. Then I missed the payment, and I'm paying a Benz car note for a Cadillac that was like, I think like maybe five or six, seven years old at that time. You know, I mean, wait. You know what I mean? No perfect people allowed. 
And so the fact of the matter is that it was a mess and I should not have done that. Come on, somebody. And it ended up jacking me up. I ended up to the place where I couldn't have finances and I needed stuff and I couldn't get it because of this car that I was maintaining. I might as well have lived in the car. Come on, somebody. And that's the way that many of us are with our finances right now because there are things that you want, but it's premature. But the fact is that recklessness is often preceded by prematurity. And so not only this, I want you to understand this because this is still in point number one. Uh, but look at this. So in the beginning, when we looked at verse 12, it says, and the younger said to them, to his father, give me my share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. What's crazy about this? Can I tell you what else is crazy? Look, not only did the younger son get it. But as a result of his choice, I saw this in the text. I thought this was cool. He he had an older brother who also had to get his property early too. As a result of the son's decision to operate in prematurity. Many of us, we don't even realize, man, this is, I hope you grab this because many of us, we think that the, the fact that the decisions that we're making and the premature decisions that we're making are only affecting ourselves. Come on. But now this son, the son didn't have that plan to get that money at that time, but because the younger spoiled brat son decided that he wanted to be premature and he wanted to make the decision that he did as a result. Now the older son's plans got jacked up too. Who's being affected because of your recklessness? Are there people in your life that their plans are being jacked up because instead of walking in the place that God would have you, you're deciding that you want to get something right now? You know, when I think about the microwave, the microwave is literally an invention that proves that we often care more about speed than quality. Listen, man, if you have ever had some bejum macaroni pie, Listen, there is a difference between when, when my grandmother would put some macaroni pie in the oven. There's a big difference, right, Auntie Shelley? It's a big difference between macaroni pie that goes in the oven and that Kraft mac and cheese foolishness that you put in the microwave. But guess what? I can have Kraft mac and cheese. I can have lasagna that come out the microwave. Come on, somebody. And it comes out and it happened fast, but it's all soggy and mushy. But there's nothing like, like, like lasagna or like there's nothing like some, some good macaroni pie that comes from being baked in the oven. Come on. And we live in a generation today and, it, and our imperfection is especially seen in our recklessness that we abandon quality for being in a place where we can get stuff right now. The devil wants you to reach to a place of destruction and that's why he wants you to get things so early. And so not only this, not only this, not only this. So look at what happens. This is crazy. This is even crazier. So the father actually goes ahead and splits the property and gives it to him. He allows him to go and make the choice to go out and do what he does. And when he does go out with the inheritance he uses it recklessly and his stuff is jacked up can i give you point number two because the fact is you might be looking and you're saying what in the world like why would the i know my first of all asking my dad a question like that growing up in the house that i did that's a death wish 
y'all don't want to be real. You know, there, there is no way that I would ever go up to a West Indian parent or to any parent for that fact, because other people could whip you too when you're a kid. Y'all don't know anything about that, do you? Okay. And ask them for anything in that sort of a manner or disrespect them. But it's crazy because in this moment, the father says yes and allows him to do, make this choice and this decision. Can I give you point number two? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Sometimes God will allow your plan to work to show you that his is better. <laughs> Yo, book this. Sometimes God will allow your plan to work to show you that his is better. I mean, from the beginning of time, and I'm going to break it down, but look, from the beginning of time, it has everything that we are experiencing now is based upon the fact that the, that mankind has the power of choice. Adam and Eve, God put, he told them, don't do this. Don't eat from this tree. For those who are new to Christianity, there's this big uh, story at the very beginning of the Bible that talks about this about how God gives Adam and Eve freedom to experience everything in the garden. He says, don't do this, right? And when he, don't eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they decide, instead of maximizing everything that they have available to them, that they're going to disobey God, and they're going to go and eat from this tree. So they eat from the tree, they use their choice, and consequently, death and sin has passed on to all mankind. If you want to see evidence of that, check out what's happening. Go look at the funeral home. Come on. Go look in the hospitals. There are things that have happened as a result of the choice of man. And God has always allowed us to be able to have a choice. And it's incredible because many times he will allow us to our plan to work to show us that his plan is greater. You know, this is why this is important. This is why this is important because, you know, some of us, we think that God's in, we think that God's endorsement is on us because stuff is working out. Oh man, you need to grab this, lean in, lean in, lean in and grab this. Watch this. Look, because we're like, I was praying and the door opened. And so we think that because the door opened, that that's the biggest sign that God is with us. Come on, somebody. And oftentimes, God is saying, okay, I already told you that you need to wait. But since you want to go ahead and you want to rush in, yes, when you ask them and say, hey, you want to be with me? They said, yeah, okay, we can go into this relationship. And you think, oh, that must be the Lord. Because they tell, even though I know that he's an abusive individual, come on. Even though I know that she's dating people on the side. Y'all don't want to talk to me this morning. We decide that we're, oh, so this must be the Lord. It must be a missionary situation. I'm going to go in that relationship and I'm going to get them together. Who am I preaching to on this morning? y'all don't want to keep it real but I'm coming down the road because the fact of the matter is that oftentimes just because it works doesn't mean that it's Jesus well I remember I was sitting at the, the, the stoplight right up there at, uh, at, at um, Merson and, and Shepherd and you know and I was there and, and just getting ready to make that left turn yo fam that light takes like eons guy to turn and so I'm standing there and I'm like at the light and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'll never forget the, the light turned green. And when the light turned green, I heard in my head, don't move. And so I'm like, okay. And every now and again, I'll hear those, the Lord say things like that to me. And so I stopped and I didn't move even though the light was green. I'm like, but Jesus, I've been waiting here for like 50 minutes and it finally turned. Like now you're going to tell me to stop. I was stopped. And within like 30 seconds, somebody blew through the red light. 
and just blew right through the red light. And if I was turning at that moment, they would have sm- blew me to smigarines. I mean, they were jetting it. They, they, did, they were like, red, what's that? And they just went right through that joint. And so even though the light was green, oh man, I feel sick. This thing is creeping up on me. Come on. Even though the light was green, it didn't mean that I was supposed to go for Who am I preaching to on this morning? Because it's some stuff that seems to be working in your life. It's some stuff that seems like the door is open. And you, but, but is God truly encouraging you to keep on going? You got to be careful because every green light is not a God light. Okay. We didn't come to play church this morning because it's some of y'all that have been proceeding, but you've been proceeding in prematurity. And I showed up to tell you that just because God allows it doesn't mean that he's telling you to do it. And so not only this, not only this, can we keep on going? Because look, so he spends it, verse 13, in reckless living. And the Bible says, and when he had spent everything, everybody say everything. Everything. That's usually what prematurity will do. It will cause you to spend everything, to waste and be in that position. The Bible says a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So this is him, as I told you, that God is positioning him to be in a place where he sees that his plan is better. And he goes on, he says, so he went and hired himself out. To one of the citizens of the country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. So you need to understand this just so you get the historic backdrop or the cultural backdrop. This is a, this is a Jewish context that we're talking about. For Jews, pig is the worst. They are unclean based upon their law right of the jewish law that god gave them and so for them to handle or be near or eat pig or anything that's in that's interacting with pig that's not kosher that's not a good situation my friend you got that you see what i did there okay so for him to be there this is literally him he's going there and the bible says that he ends up going and he wants to try and get some of the food come on that these pigs have the, the long to be fed with the pods that they had and, and he's there because so now he's in a position of compromise come on he's in a position where he's compromising as a result of the pre the recklessness that came through prematurity and so point number three everybody say point number three humanity's default response to desperation is compromise as opposed to repentance humanity's default response to desperation is compromise as opposed to repentance instead of in that moment saying you know what i need to go home I was rude. I was done. You know, I might catch a box in my face, but at least, you know, I'm going to go home. Instead of immediately him going and turning around, his default response was to compromise. And there are many of you in this place today and your immediate response to what's happened in your life is not to say, hey, you know what? God put me in a position where he was showing me that his plan is greater than my plan. But for many of us, for many of you, you are compromising right now. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know, but I want to let you know that God's plan is greater than your compromise. Come on. And what God has for you, even if you messed up and made a mistake or whatever the case may be, don't stay there. Don't just keep compromising after compromising. Keep sending 
finding yourself lower. You're worth more than that relationship. I don't know who I'm prophesying to today. You're worth more than the situation that you're in. You got to be to a place where you and I, instead of our default response, make the decision to act counter to that and go on home. So our default response is this, you know, and, uh, and this is why he operated in this instead of repentance because of our imperfection. It often will cause us to do things like this. But I love this because look at what it says here in the text. This is so beautiful. Verse 17 just starts a new theme. Are you still with me? Says, but when he came to himself, Ah, my God, but when he came, everybody say, but when he came to himself. He had an aha moment. Come on. He was there in the situation and he said, you know what? Although my actions, because of my actions are by default or being in a place of repentance, he, he says that you are, are a place of compromise. He's had an aha moment. In other words, uh, the heart of the father met him there right when he was in the middle of the pig trough. Come on. I don't know who I'm talking to on this morning, but I want to give you point number. I want to give you point number four. Can I give you point number four? God's drawing power is ubiquitously effective. God's drawing power is ubiquitously effective. What does ubiquitous mean? It means omnipresent. Come on, somebody. It means that it's not confined to just one space or place. That God's drawing power can be effective wherever you are. Who am I talking to? Because some of us, we feel like God's drawing power is only effective in a confines that is dedicated towards what we call church. But I wonder if there's anybody that knows that you can be in the... But David said, I, even if I made my bed in hell... Behold, he is there. There is no one and nowhere that is beyond the aha power of God. Come on. And I don't know who I'm talking to. For some of you, you might be in a pig trough right now. You might be in the place of compromise. I feel somebody today in this place and showed up in that place. But I want to let you know that this is your aha moment. You deserve more. You're better than that mess. Come on. The father is calling you home and looking to wake you up right where you are. Somebody say, aha moment. God's, God's, God's work, his work is able to move and to be in a place, you know, you know, wherever you are, come on, you know, there's some remotes for your TV and when you get them, the remote will only work for that specific TV. Who am I talking to? But you can go, you can go to uh, Walmart or one of those places and get what type of remote? A universal remote. Come on. A universal remote, a remote that can work and that can connect to any TV. Can I preach about remotes this morning? Don't matter what TV it is, they give you this list and they tell you what code to put in. Come on, I feel the preach. And once you put in that code, come on, you're able to connect to that TV. Who am I talking to on this morning? The fact of the matter is that the drawing power of God, the love of God can meet you right where you are. And the only code that needs to be put in there, come on, is something called repentance. And when you and I get to that place where we say yes and have that aha because of the enablement and the grace and the power of God, God's hands are open to be able to bring us back to a place of home. Who am I talking to this morning? So look at this. Look at this. So, so look. So that number five. Number five. Look at what happens here. I love this so incredibly. Because look at his perception and what he thinks about how the father is going to respond to him. He says when he says when he came to himself. He said how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread. 
but I perish here with hunger. Are you still with me? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as long as you're as as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off. His father saw him and felt compassion. And I feel like reading this theatrically and ran and embraced him and he blessed him. And the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven. And before you, I am no longer, I can't do the English accent. You know how all those movies have the English accent in them. So I'm going to do my best. He says, and this long, long, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe. I'm about to lose it. The best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his hand. Here's his authority. And shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf. Come on. You can't bring no scrawny goat. Come on. He said, bring the fattened calf. In other words, this was something that was only used in high celebration to celebrate some very important things. It was reckless for him. Note this. Note this. The definition, the definition of the word prodigal, as many people call, watch this, is spending money or resources freely and recklessly. Having or giving something on a lavish scale. So he here in this moment, watch this, the the son is in a place where he shows up because he was a prodigal. He was a prodigal in that he spent lavishly, recklessly what was given to him. But I think this is very important for us to understand that not only was the son a prodigal, but the father was also a prodigal. Prodigal doesn't mean just going away. Because that's what we usually categorize as a prodigal. Prodigal means spending recklessly, spending lavishly. Come on, somebody. Uh, going and being in this sort of a position. Come on. So not only was the son one that went out and did so in a negative way or out of sin, but out of love, the father, instead of meeting the sin of the son and the recklessness of the son, instead of meeting his recklessness with judgment and condemnation, that he expected come on he met him with reckless love beyond his comprehension come on that's some good news right there can i give you number five god meets our reckless sin with his reckless love Oh my, there's, see, there are some of us, we think the reason why you haven't stepped foot in a church in years. I talk to people all the time who come to Serve City and they're like, the only time I've been to church is from a wedding or a funeral when I was a little kid and I haven't been back because I was scared about what God would think about me. Come on somebody. But the father was just so happy that his son came through the doors and that his son, the rest of the passage says, was dead but now lives. That he said, you know what? It doesn't matter what you've done. Come on, somebody. Instead of meeting your reckless sin with condemnation, I'm going to meet your reckless sin with my reckless love. Come on. Here, bring my robe. Bring the fattened calf. Who am I talking to? Put this ring of authority on his finger saying, you're still my son. Who am I talking to? And I don't know who showed up this morning and you feel like you're in a place of bondage and God couldn't love you because of what you did. But I'm here to tell you that his reckless love is here to bring you in and he's saying welcome home my child somebody give God praise if you are thankful that his recklessness is available in love form for you 
It's not just a prodigal son, but it's a prodigal God. Come on. Oh, my. Oh, man. God, God, God spent recklessly and lavishly. What are you talking about, Pastor Andrew? That sounds blasphemous. No, it's just because the religion that you have and what you grew up thinking and having, uh, it just doesn't line up with what not only the definition means, but also what the scripture is showing us. It's showing us that God, that man, we're reckless with our sin, but God is also reckless with his love. Come on, to the point where God wasn't, what are you talking about? Well, I'm here to tell you that that over 2,000 years ago, come on, somebody that there was a man named Jesus and he decided when he saw that we were sinking deep in sin come on he he saw that we were a mess the Bible says that he put on flesh come on church and he left heaven left the comforts of heaven he didn't just snap his fingers and say alakazam but he was reckless come on in a good way where he decided that he was going to leave heaven and instead of poof you're gone and let's create something else he came down and he put on flesh and he lived perfectly come on and you want to talk about reckless he let them beat him come on somebody he let them put a crown of 72 thorns in his head he let them pierce him in his heart sack where blood and water came gushing out all on your and my behalf because he wanted to meet our reckless sin with reckless love and instead of making you and I pay the penalty for our sin and our choices he died in our place so that you and I could have life eternity eternity, eternal and fellowship with God forever that's some good news right there so I'm ending this with this story because you know the fact of the matter is this that there's end the big brother the man them got vexed yo and he was vexed because he's like listen I've been in every story we find that there's a celebration that comes out there's a celebration a conversation around what happens uh, once the lost is found and instead of the son celebrating he gets vexed and says yo you never kill you never kill the fat calf for me you never kill the fat calf for me and i've been here and i've done right and i didn't go out and i wasn't reckless and the father says something to him he says listen you've already been here verse uh verse 32 one son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this is your brother who was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The fact of the matter is I'm ending this by letting you know that the brother was always in the house. And even though it wasn't dispensed to him and he didn't go out and do stupidness, there still was a, mold, a means for celebration because what the, his brother who went out because of his heart of the father, because the, the big brother, if he had the heart of the father, he would have celebrated. Not only celebrated the agenda of the father, which was to bring those who were reckless home, but he would also celebrate the, his, the, faithfulness, the faithfulness of his God because he still had access to everything while he was there. Can I tell you this? This is the last point. Number six, don't let selfishness block your celebration of God's faithfulness instead of being in a place where you and I are selfish because recklessness in sin is often in, indicated in a place in selfishness and when we're selfish we don't celebrate what happens in other people's lives but often it also blinds us 
from remembering about God's faithfulness on our behalf. And so even though you may look at someone else and it may seem like there's a party being thrown for them, we celebrate the fact that they've come to life and we praise God for his restoring power in in their lives. But also, we're not like, why ain't that happening for me? We say, also praise God because his faithfulness has been present in my life. And even though their story is not my story, God is still faithful. Somebody give God praise if this message was a blessing to you today.